Welcome back indeed, episode number 68, Raswell Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun Edition. I'm humbled and honored and super excited for today because I'm bringing on Jay. Jay is, uh, he's writing the Monday recap. Uh, he's a lover of kimchi, a master of puns. Uh, he's been with Rasball since 2012. Uh, I, he's not an OG because I think what Gray started probably what maybe five, six years earlier than that. Uh, but to me, he's an OG because, you know, like my fantasy quote unquote career, I start off uh, fantasy pros just doing like little player blurbs and like for the Raiders and Lakers. And then I went to Rasball and the homie Jay here, he was the one that gave me a shot to write, you know, so that's kind of like the genesis of my, my career. So, man, yeah, I'm super pumped to, uh, uh, to talk to Jay. So, yo, Jay, what's going on, my man? Hey, yeah, I was just, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pave the way for the Korean, the Korean creatives. You know, <laughs> we're trying to <laughs> bring more uh, Asian mix into into the fantasy uh, content arena. Yeah, know, no, for, for sure, man, for <laughs> sure. We need we need more. You know, we need, we yeah. need some we need some like insanity action up in the uh, the content space. It wasn't uh, just that, you know, I depended. Um, yeah, I've been writing since 2012, but I, I've uh, when I started out on the baseball side, I had I had. I guess you could call it maybe a fetish, but I I would I would cover Korean baseball players uh, more than I probably should have if I was a yeah, <laughs> an yeah, yeah. impartial analyst. Yeah. But um, I always felt that connection to the Korean culture. I'm half Korean, obviously. Um, anyone who follows my writing knows that I use it as part of my shtick. But yeah. you know, to to bring you on board, at least I had one dude <laughs> who would read my content, understood all my uh, all my kimchi jokes, and you know. Uh, but yeah, it's. It's been quite a journey, and uh, I didn't actually realize it had been over a decade until I looked back today at my uh, at how long I had been actually writing. So that, I guess, congratulations to me. I don't know yeah. if it's an masochist thing, but <laughs> <laughs> yo, time time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, you know. Um, so you know, the thing is, is you've been writing for a while. You've been doing all the sports. Uh, so you were like editing, basically taking. Ho- over like the football site for like three years right um and to you know give you some little accolades and props fantasy uh pros top 10 draft ranker top 20 weekly finished third best in 2026 uh and then you left because of uh junior sales suicide tta issues chargers leaving san diego like i feel you like my buddy in new york he loves football but he's just like yo i can't watch this shit anymore you know, he's just like, yo, this, this is fucking whack. Like, I, I just can't do it anymore. So I get it. Um, I think what you, you, you had like an art studio or something like that then? Yeah. Um, we, I actually still run it. It's, it's nice. my, uh, I guess it's my, uh, day job because now writing has become sort of my side hustle. It, it yeah. definitely has, uh, my capacity is definitely diminished. We run, um, an art gallery over here in, uh, Old Town Alexandria. It's just this small, kind of touristy city uh, next to DC. All right. So uh, yeah, that, that generally has taken much of my bandwidth. So, um, but you're right. I mean, uh, you know, I started out just as a basic writer. I, I was, uh, I was really enjoying covering some niches for the, uh, the baseball site, you know, like deep leagues and multi-category leagues, just some kind of super nerdy stuff. You know, I know fantasy <laughs> sports can be kind of mid-grade nerdy, but, you know, I wanted to do things full investment. And then, um, you know, soon uh, it opened up the baseball editor position and uh, Gray called on me, see if I could help him out, just kind of help run the baseball site, kind of organize. 
and uh, kind of uh, create, I guess, uh, an itinerary of programming, you could call it. Yeah. I'm using all these great buzzwords. <laughs> um, and then, and then, yeah, football opened up. And I have to be honest, you know, when I when I took over the football gig, I wasn't really as plugged in as I used to be with football. So it took me a while to get back into it. The first year was quite an experience. You know, I I always was, uh, of course, a uh, a, <laughs> a home fan of, of I, I really root for my teams and yeah. everything so uh there was always some kind of chargers uh gloss over it and uh we you know the entire team uh the writing team was really successful during that period we we had some great guys uh writing and, and providing content and yeah you know i i'm glad you brought it up just because um towards the end of my uh tenure i wasn't really feeling as connected to football as I could be uh, during that time. You know, the Chargers were, of course, uh, getting ready to leave uh, San Diego. And I even, I remember writing a post, uh, kind of just going over my thoughts on it. And I, I, I assumed it wouldn't be too much of a bother because uh, not only did I grow up in San Diego, but I lived in Los Angeles for quite a while, too, over in Westwood and uh, Pasadena, uh, the little area in you know, Eagle Rock, I guess you could, uh, you could call it. And um, so I, I, you know, I... Of course, I rooted against the Dodgers, and but I loved the city. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed my life there, yeah. and uh, I never really actively, uh, you know, uh, hated on, on anything. But it, it was, it felt different, you know, when the Chargers moved uh, to Los Angeles, and it, it felt kind of unwarranted just because the Rams were moving there too, and it seemed kind of redundant. Yeah. But on top of that, you know, the the Junior Seau suicide, it it really kind of I don't want to get too uh, hyperbolic about it, but uh, he was such a huge uh, player of the game when when I was growing up. I was a little kid, and I, I went to many games with my dad, and he was one of our favorite players, you know, from Hawaii. So he had a little bit of that Asian Islander thing going for him. He was just a monster linebacker. I mean, if you look at some of his old plays, it was just incredible the things he could do. And you know, him uh, committing suicide, at, you know, under the guise of Basically, he wanted to protect his family and children because he felt his mind was leaving him. And uh, he made sure to, you know, not to get too graphic, but he made sure to shoot himself in the chest so he could donate uh, his brain to science because he knew this this uh, poisonous, uh, you know, disease in a way um, really was affecting him. And, you know, I it just felt that the sport, I, I understand it's a very violent sport. And I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. You know, the men choose choose that uh as their own volition you know they, they go into it i think uh, hopefully with some kind of knowledge of, of the toll it takes on your body but you know even recently i saw in the news that they did a study and uh out of all football players right i i don't even i only read it once and i still remember the numbers 92 percent of all football players who played football have uh, signs of cte and even more worrisome to me, and I don't have kids, but, you know, it stated that high school football players, on average, uh, 32% have signs of CTE, which seems just, uh, you know, that really is depressing to me, yeah. that, that number. So Yeah, it's crazy. You Not think... to get too heavy, but... No, no, it's all good, man. This is this is your pod, man. This is your platform. You know, like, this is the, this is the stuff I want to hear. Um, you know, like, I want to get to know you and, you know, maybe some of the other readers out there that know your stuff, you know, want to get to read you. Because uh, in terms of football, you think um, you think the game lasts like at some point, uh, you think it just ceases to exist or is it just going to basically just be flag football, essentially? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it isn't the first time I've had this question. Obviously, it, it's it, I guess it's hard to tell for me. The optimist in me believes that we can um, evolve into something that that either doesn't show such. See, the problem with the sport now is just there's so much power and velocity. We have players who are essentially taking the best of this learned experience that the NFL has had the past 50 years of uh, building uh, a complete team and then physically, in the micro sense, building the perfect player for each position, whether that's through diet or, uh, you know, working out or, or what have you. And just when players hit each other now, it's just extreme uh, punishment in certain angles, certain areas. I mean, we saw that uh, this year with, with that player who went down with, uh, you know, the, the instant heart attack, essentially, which was really gruesome. But, you know, if they can find a way scientifically to protect the player, that's always a possibility in the future. There's also, like you say, maybe robotics or something, uh, it, I don't know, futuristic. That's always a possibility, too. But I... Sometimes I just get the sense that there, there's um, there's always going to be a certain segment of the population that really appreciates the, the very physical nature of football. And I, I really want to be careful, too, because I still find myself, you know, if I'm watching, if I hear about a good playoff matchup, maybe I'll take a look at it. You know, I'll, I'll sneak in myself on a seat one, yeah. you know, a certain playoff game just to stay plugged in a little bit. I still have that inkling. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it's just... The future, of course, is open-winded. So there's a there's a pessimistic and an optimistic answer, I think, there. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, a lot of times, like, um, when I watch rugby, um, I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe football can get to that level, right? Because like you said, the, the speed and velocity, power of just everything, and the fact that they wear pads and helmets, it allows them to go faster and hit harder. But if they don't have that stuff, then maybe there's more caution and they won't go as, as hard. So, you know, if you watch rugby, it's like, yeah, they tackle, they hit, but it's not like the violent car collisions, right? So, and like those dudes are freaking big, right? So uh, maybe it gets there, but, you know, like you said, there's probably just too much money in it and people do, you know, they do like that, you know, that kind of like barbar barbarism, so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, the inertia is basically the consumer, you know, football owns America, so yeah. it, it won't do anything to change until the consumer demands it. So Yeah, for sure. Riot. We must riot. Yeah. <laughs> Revolution. Let's yeah. go. Um, all right, man. You know, like, you know, you're a well-spoken guy. I, I really enjoy... Like, <laughs> only sometimes. <laughs> yeah, only sometimes. Like, I, you know, I always enjoy... I've always enjoyed reading your stuff. And I think, you know, one of the great things about Razzball is that, like, we're not... You know, gray allows us freedom, right? And we're not painted into a box. So we can just write shit, right? We can be as creative as we want. And I think, I think you're one of the, you know, better writers out there in terms of, like, you know, <laughs> like the puns and... Um, you know, just, you know, entertaining and just kind of like you're having your personality shine, right? So, uh, like, in terms of your background writing, like, what is that? Like, did you, were you a writer earlier or was that like a passion of yours, you know, earlier or what, like, like where's that, where's yeah, that come from? It's kind of a, it's a meandering story, but I, I'm actually, I, uh, I, uh, have an English lit degree. All right. So yeah, I... that makes sense. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. So... Yeah. And uh, to be quite honest, just to make kind of a long story short, I, I never really used it in any of my professional lives. Like right. I, I, you know, early in my college years and my early and mid 20s, I kind of did, you know, random jobs. And then I landed as a lead auditor for Hilton, 
most of the random things you can ever think of. <laughs> uh, that was up when I was in Seattle. Right. And then I started working with Amazon, you know, okay. as, a, as a project manager. And then that brought me over to D.C. And then I just the, I think uh, what really happened is just sort of during my uh, when I started writing, I, I forced myself to do it just because I wanted to still express that side of myself. I didn't want to lose it because yeah. I always enjoyed it. But, you know, when I graduated, there were some options for me. Did I want to become a journalist? Yeah. I, I thought maybe about doing it, but then I realized and it's going to be a greedy answer. But I just I wasn't interested. Yeah, in you got to get paid. Before. Yeah, you gotta yeah, get paid. I, yeah. I want to write what I know. Yeah. I want to write what I want. Yeah. And uh, I know, you know, journalism, you can do that. But there's there's steps you got to do. You got to right. do baby steps through the process. And I was maybe kind of a little bit <laughs> not wanting to do that. No, I hear you. Um, but yeah, this, you know, Razzball allowed me a release because I was really you know, at that time, I was hugely into fantasy baseball. You know, we I had a league with my old, some of my old classmates and my professors in college, and and we even had a priest in the in the league. It was called the somewhat Catholic league. It was bizarre because <laughs> I went to a, not because it was a Jesuit institution, yeah. but it, it's because it was in the middle of Seattle, so Seattle okay. University. All so right. I really enjoyed the city lifestyle and everything. But regardless of that. You know, it was, it was a big deal of my life, and to be able to write about something I knew that I was comfortable with and that I actually could offer, you know, real advice in. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Razzball, not not to kind of circle jerk, yeah. but it, it is a site that allows you a certain amount of freedom. You know, of course, you, you shouldn't be racist, and you can't be racist. That's one of the rules. <laughs> you can't really be super vulgar, like if you're just throwing F-bombs all over the place. Really, You know, you got to have some content, of course, and yeah. some creativity. Yeah, yeah. So there's always a little bit of a bar. But... You know, Gray, he always just kind of wanted you to be yourself and uh, just wanted you to uh, enjoy what you did. And his only his only want was just to make sure to interact with the readers. And I always love doing that, too. That's one of the aspects I loved about Razzball that other sites don't really offer sometimes. They sometimes filter it or gateway keep it, you know, through chats and stuff like that. But, you know, if you want to ask someone, a writer of yours, an expert of yours, you want them to make that connection and find out about what you really want to know, you can just put a comment on our on our side and we're there for you. So that, that's one of the cool things I always enjoyed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you sound like a company man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, over a decade, right? it's like in my genetics at this point. So. But, all right, uh, all right. So was uh, baseball your first love and then you went into what, football, basketball? Or like, yeah, so what's like, you know, the, the journey in terms of the fantasy? Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned my dad before. He he uh, kind of made me into the baseball fan I was. He um, he enjoyed watching the Orioles, but when I was really young, when he moved over to California and San Diego, see, he immediately, um, you know, kind of adopted the Padres as his team. And I just, I fell in love with that team. I mean, we're talking about guys like, Ooh. you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about, it was, it was, they were unique players, you know. Yeah. Of course, you know Fernando Venezuela. We had him for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, L.A. and San Diego got to share that great talent. You know, I loved, uh, you know, characters like Goose Gossage. I got to see him a little bit nice. uh, in my younger years. But then you had Tony Gwynn, oh, Tony and Gwynn Caminetti, okay. Steve yeah. Finley. You know, these these types of players yeah. who, you know, really uh, were were a unique kind of era for them. And I, I always, I'm always a bit sad they never got a ring, especially '98. But um, you know, that Yankees team, if if people remember, they were just unstoppable. So, um, but yeah, that, that grew into the Chargers too. Uh, my dad used to be a big Colts fan when they were in Baltimore. And uh, it's funny, I still remember him hating on John Elway for, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, leaving the Colts, you know, uh, doing the draft demand yeah. to the Broncos. And I always got a kick out of that. But, um, you know, of course, the Colts left and he didn't have a team. So when we we're in San Diego, Chargers were that team. And, you know, he, 
he was always there bringing me to the games. You know, Jack Murphy was pretty accessible back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was really easy as a kid in San Diego to kind of become, even though they never won anything, it was kind of easy to be a sports fan uh, down there just because the teams all had a lot of character and they still had some great players, like, you know, even the Chargers at the time. I remember uh, Natron Means, you know, your kind of uh, OG uh, power back. Um, Stan Humphreys was, was pretty funny to have. Um, I remember our... <laughs> Uh, of course, Junior Seau. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was quite an experience, and that kind of just stuck with me. Um, you know, I kind of still root for the teams just because of that same connection. Uh, you know, even though my father ha- has long since passed, uh, you know, I still think about him sometimes when I watch a Padre game. Yeah. You know, even though it's definitely not my father's Padres, it, it's still great to see him. And, yeah, no doubt. You know, it's, they still haven't won anything, but it's it's really easy to like that team. You know, on paper, they, they're just really fun uh, to look at and uh, to watch uh, on, on the screen. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, <laughs> I know we might get there sooner or later, but basketball was also a huge part because, you know, as I'm sure you know, uh, as I'm sure we're similar ages, you know, growing up during that time, I, I think was the best era of basketball, bar none, you know, just, just because – you know, not only did you have MJ, but you had some some other great uh, teams and players. And I was even young enough, uh, and I know some of the younger NBA pl- uh, fans may not realize it, but I think uh, Larry Bird remains still one of the most underrated players of this generation. I don't think they remember what he could do, what he did uh, back then. I was, uh, I consider myself privileged to be able to watch the tail end of his career. You know, and of course the dream team. Yeah, no, uh, he was. You know, Bird was he was freaking amazing. Like I hated that guy. Yeah, but, uh, I respected the shit out of him because he was so damn good. Um, it's kind of lazy, but I almost want to call him like the white Kevin Durant, you know, like uh, yeah. maybe better rebounder. But he really kind of evolutionized kind of the tall, uh, small forward position, point forward in a way. Yeah. Um, maybe Durant isn't really point forward, but, um, you know, just moving the ball, shooting the ball. Just the frame, too. I think when you have these tall lanky guys uh like are six nine six eleven and you put them at the wing position i mean they like kevin durant uh no one can guard him when he wants to shoot because he yeah. can just shoot over him it's it's incredible to watch for sure i i actually think yeah i think durant is underrated too just because of a lot of the off the court narratives <laughs> right yeah. that have been attached to him which yeah. is which is you know, to me, I think that's bullshit, right? Because, I mean, dude, he's one of the most unstoppable players uh, in the game. Um, you know, He's one of the best that I've ever seen. Uh, but, yeah, because all that other stuff, it kind of, like, denigrates, like, his ranking of, you know, where people place him, which is uh, which is sad, man, you know, which is really sad. What are uh, your favorite squads for hoops? Okay, so... Yeah, my first my first squad is of course the Clippers, so I'm sure you're gonna enjoy that. <laughs> well, we just got Westbrook, so let's share that. But, that's um, true. That's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Clippers um, I've always loved just because I felt rooted in them because they used to be in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, San Diego never really had a basketball team, so I kind of adopted them. And for me, you know, uh, following franchises that never won anything, it was easy to enjoy the Clippers as well. And uh, there's a certain connection, too, because I, I have to admit, I haven't been, I've only been to one NBA game in my entire life. What? Uh, for real? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, it's more of a TV okay. store for me. Okay. So and okay. it was actually a Clippers game All right. uh, back when they had, uh, um, you know, Lob City with uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. The sports, and just, the sports arena? Yeah. Okay. So it was just, it was a, an incredible game. I really don't remember too much of it. I just remember them putting on a show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I forgot if 
I forgot if Jordan was on that team yet or not, uh, the under Jordan, but um, I just uh, fell in love with that team at the time. This was, you know, my late 20s, I think. And it was one of my favorite memories of being in L.A., actually experiencing kind of a basketball game, even though it was the Lakers. So, uh, um, and then uh, the, the, it, it kind of it goes back and forth. I do root for the Wizards just because of their home team here. Right. I generally don't root for Washington sports teams. It's, it's just, you know, I still have my first love in San Diego. Yeah, but again, yeah. since we never had a basketball team, it kind of opens it up. Yeah. So the Wizards I root for is just because I feel like they need my support. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's not too many Wizards fans. I feel. It's like, you know, it's like Pacers fans. It's like, where are they? I don't know. Um, and then... Uh, Wait, I hold on, hold Rockets. on. What's, uh, what's Washington? Oh. Washington's a football city? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Washington football team yeah. and not much else. Um, they, even the Capitals, you know, they, they've had a lot long-time success. They, they're still having trouble, uh, you know, getting a huge amount of support. But, you know, it, it's there. It, but it's hockey, too. And then, of course, the Nationals, uh, they're going through rebuilding mode right now. So it kind of... You have to understand this area is kind of fickle. If right. if you're not the the Washington football team, everything else is just. If you're winning, great. Yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. not, yeah, we're just gonna you know pay attention to the football team, gotcha. which is, you know, I understand. I was uh, with the Chargers for a while, and you kind of question like, why am I watching this? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> for the but, love um, of the game, baby. For the yeah. love of the game. But uh, yeah, the Wizards team right now is interesting. They have uh. You know, Kyle Kuzma is kind of a unique character. Uh, I, I'm not sure what I think of him as a basketball player. I know a lot of people locally don't really they're respect not, his basketball fe- skills. Really? They're not but, feeling him? Yeah. Wow. I, you know, but I just, I, I can't hate on a 15-10 guy yeah. who, you know, his contract, whose contract is okay. I mean, it's not, it's not. I think Lakers could probably still use Kuzma. I still, you know, it kind of felt like uh, uh, Hachimura was in a way kind of you know, a Kuzma clone yeah. uh, for you guys. But, um, yeah, it, it's just Wizards. They, It's a very questionable front office. They, they're they always one foot in, one foot out. Um, Bradley Beal, I, I think everyone kind of knew that giving him Max or Supermax was incredibly short-sighted. Yeah. But at the same time, everyone knew that, that the Wizards were going to give it to him. Yeah. So it's kind of a – it was a very Washington Wizards move. What about the Porzingis? I like it. Yeah. I mean – you know what his thing was he could never stay healthy yeah. i i actually think mavericks could have used him this season too i understand why they traded him yeah. of course uh and, and we can see what he's doing when he's healthy he, he he'll get you that what is it i think 24 to 26 points a night plus plus the blocks and the rebounding and the wizards i think beal when he hasn't been on the court much but when, when he's when they're together it, it kind of it, it helps it helps the team dynamic too um obviously it doesn't equate to wins but it's at least an entertaining team. It's a little bit, yeah. Because the Wizards really haven't done much since you know Wall fell apart uh, physically, which was a shame too. Because when you, even though the Wizards were terrible back then too, watching a, a prime uh, John Wall yeah. was incredible. Was I mean, great. just the speed yeah. and yeah, and the burst. I think uh, a lot of people forget too. A, a similar player with that speed and burst, in my opinion, was Jeremy Lin back when he was going crazy. I just think he had that kind of uh, – well, you know, in my opinion, he was never the same after that um, – I, I forgot what leg injury it was, but he just – he lost that first step, you know, that ability, and it kind of – I'm sure there are a lot of players like that, but um, it was just uh, – but, yeah, when when they lose their legs, it, it's just – it looks bad. True, true. I mean, yeah, yo, I love Linsanity. I love Jeremy Lin. <laughs> like, 
Linsanity was probably like the second or third greatest moment of my life. Like yeah. that, like that period of time was amazing. It was fucking amazing. I don't know if I can, I can go on this boat with you that his explosive, like he was on the John Wall level. I'm not there. I don't think I can get there. Um, but I would agree with you. I don't think they're on the same level, yeah, but, but I, no. I think the way that they could get past um, the defense or do their picks and, yeah. and just kind of drive into the rim and create that space for the rest of the teams. I just, it was, I think both of them were both entertaining once they hit their, for sure. when they hit their length and speed, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, I'm with you in that. Yeah. Once the injury happened, then yeah, he, he loses that step and it, then it's tough. But um, yeah, no, that's, uh, ah, man. Linsanity. That's you know, I, <laughs> well, I bring it up because I think it's obvious. I don't want to sound too, but it's just yeah. you know what, as, as in you know, look, I'm half, but I'm just saying, <laughs> watching an Asian, you know, at that level yeah. dominate, no. like he was during that stretch, it was incredible. Yeah, it was like, incredible. Yeah. I, I felt so much pride. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting. Before I die, I want, <laughs> I want a Korean Iverson or Asian Iverson. Not even Korean. I just want an Asian Iverson because we've had the big guys, right? We've had the yeah. EGN lands and what you know. There was a, I remember there was this one Korean dude. He was like seven three, played for Portland. I forgot his name. So we've had those guys. I don't want a big lumbering dude. I don't want like a Yao Ming guy. You know? Yeah, Yao Ming was cool, but you know, like Linsanity, you know, you got the handles breaking out defenses. So like, yeah, I, I want my, I want my Asian Iverson. And, yeah, uh, I want a dude who could just who could play ball, you know, yeah. who could just uh, swing it like the rest. You know, <laughs> like, I want to I want to find him off the streets too. So he does like he does gangster moves like Jason Williams did with that basketball. You remember Jason yeah, Williams? Yeah, uh, white chocolate. Yeah. yeah, white chocolate. Oh my goodness, he he really I talk about him. the era, right? <laughs> I, I, I loved him, and you know, yeah. like I think, I mean, I don't think we're too far from it happening, right? Because man, I know there's a lot of good Asian ballers, you know. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them, like, they grew up in the States, so they know, you know, like, how to play, you know, mentally and physically, like, you know, they're not gonna, a lot of them aren't soft, right? And, you know, Lynn basically showed that it's possible, and there are dudes like that here. Um, so I think they're there, man. I Hopefully, man. I, I pray. I pray every night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the meta, too. Um, you know, when I was a kid, especially the fact that I was kind of a half and half, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it was hard for me to fit in sometimes. Yeah. I, I didn't really feel like I belonged in either world. And it's really crazy to see like this huge shift as I've gotten older to see not just, you know, Korean kids, but just all these mixed races, you know, grow up and be, establish themselves as young adults. And it's just incredible to see. I, I don't mean to get too uh, romantic about it. No, but, no, no. You know, it's, it's good. It's, it's good stuff. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's like you say, too. It's prevalent in sports as well. Just seeing all these all these kids grow up and bring their culture and ethnicity and differences and just you know it's just it's it's a great culture shift and i i really enjoy seeing it in all the sports yeah so. you know like i mean we can go on this topic we're just going yeah. off tangents whatever but you know my my perception on like i guess just society in general and kind of the state of the world is like there's a lot of times when you know it's very segregated and i think sometimes the powers that be they prey upon those segregations and they pit one group of people against another, right? And, you know, things like that. But, you know, I think the truly the only way to where we can become, like where peace on earth can truly happen is basically when we all be, just become one, right? Yep. And I mean, obviously that would take many, many, many generations, right? But yeah, once they start intermingling, well, there's, there's no race, right? Where it's all mixed and we all become more like kind of a homogeneous, Right. Because, I mean, essentially, you know, we are all humans. Right. So we are all the same. But then 
you know, over time, we stupidly, you know, we just started to like, you know, differentiate it, whether it be through color or whatnot, you know, and then, which is stupid, right? But if you're able to, you know, truly blend it that way, blood and all that stuff, and like, you know, I think that would be, I guess, in a way, as close to utopia <laughs> as possible, in a way. So, um, I mean, I, you know, the steps have gone there. I, you know, I don't know if it's even possible and, and how long it would take, but uh, it's cool. Hey, so did you, did you? <laughs> no, play... I mean, I love it really quick. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. So yeah, I'll just go ahead though. <laughs> no, no, cool, man. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, no, I, I love it. You know, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's not stuff that like most people talk about, you know, not, you know, and it's. Well, ever, you know, I, that, you know, speaking about my college years, I had always at the time, you know, been really into physics and, um, you know, kind of in, I also consider getting into um, uh, um, uh, um, astronomy and, and things of that nature. Yeah. I got to be honest, my math skills weren't as strong as I would have liked them to be. You're not Asian. So no, I was no, Asian. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah you're <laughs> white. No. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've always remained interested in the sciences. And, you know, when, when you remain interested in stuff like that, even from biology, chemistry, physics, yeah. you know, when you think of life as that, you know, it really kind of mirrors what you say in, in a lot of ways. It's just you know, if you look at us in the scientific level, it's, we're literally DNA, yeah. you know, we're, we're carbon based forms or whatever, and we're just all the same. And, you know, we, we have this introspective ability to not only, uh, you know, go along with our daily lives, but we can also look up in the sky and see how, you know, small pieces of dirt we really are comparatively, but, you know, we're born of stars, you know, if, if not to get too crazy out there but we are star stuff for and, sure and when you think of the scale and and, and your life and, and what it means it's just yeah why why are we killing each other why are we hating you know it just seems like a waste so yeah no I, i'm with you um it's just you know yeah. ignorance you know so things a lot of ignorance um mm -hmm. lack of empathy yeah just you know and you know at the same time i think there's a lot of manipulation too right and which is yeah. you know which is sad but uh you know hopefully Hopefully we get there. Did you uh, did you play ball when you were younger? <laughs> I did. I, I played nice. a few sports. Um, you know, actually, uh, I played baseball okay. and uh, I played a little basketball. Basketball, I didn't last too long because, uh, you know, I, I got to my height of a five eleven and that was it. I was done. So I didn't I I didn't have the. I didn't have the speed or the or the ball handling to be uh, an outside of the arc type of person. So, so my high school, I just wasn't there. Let's uh, uh, let me hear it. Let me hear what kind of game. Uh, let, let, let me hear <laughs> well, the I game. I usually played small forward. Yeah, my, you know, I was king in uh, in middle school because that's back when, <laughs> uh, you know, there were there weren't many kids and yeah. I, I had my growth spurt. Yeah. So I was I was playing center. All right. you know, I was like five eleven at sixth grade. So you know, it, it made more sense in ninth grade. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty fun. I always. I always thought myself as as I, I always mirrored myself sort of as a Charles Barkley okay. type of player, right. you know, a guy who really grunted his way in the paint, <laughs> wanted to grab that rebound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also rooted for guys like Horace Grant and Dennis Rodman just because I love their game so much. Right. You know, I, I I don't know if this is the right nomenclature, but they always, you know, they were like blue collar guys who who really just wanted to win the game, who used their physicality to to get what they wanted, and they were just I always loved. Uh, grabbing the boards it, it was always a big part of my my game and even when i play pickup games that's what i want to do you know i just want to get in the middle and grab the ball and get it out nice. to my uh my, out, out to my guys basically so i don't have to shoot you know so uh why because sure, because you didn't yeah, want ben to Simmons would be proud yeah, right? oh, because you didn't want to or the shot was yeah. just jacked no just 
I'll do a putback if I have uh, to, but I generally want to help my guys because I'll tell you what, I, I do love getting the assist totals too, even though it's uh, even though it's fake basketball. But I, I love my rebounds and my assists, and I, I love players who do that too. So um, baseball was a little bit easier for me. I, I, I couldn't hit, but I could pitch. Okay. And, uh, you know, in my high school pitching, I could, I could hit 90 miles per hour. But, oh, shit, really? Yeah, I was, uh, I was excited about yeah. what I could do. But, uh, you know, the, the problem is I had chronic arm soreness mm. after uh, – after several weeks of doing that. So it was just, it was never something I could capitalize on. So yeah. it was fun for a while, but uh, I got enough of a taste, even though it was, yeah, yeah. It was your basic, uh, you know, your high school your, or your middle school stuff. But it was, it was enough to get me involved and, you know, keep me stay active, uh, you know, in my, in my normal life too. Nice. So. so you were pumping nineties, you were pumping nineties consistently. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking awesome. Consistently, but I could hit Still. 90 once in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was sad too, cause I, you know, they tried to put me in the outfield, but I, I, I can tell you, I, I could not hit a lick. I, I did not <laughs> see the ball at all when, when, you know, especially in high school, cause those guys, even, even though they could throw 80, 85, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. you know, was common. Maybe 75 was more common at that time. Okay. I, I could not pick up the ball out of their hand. It was just one of those things I could not do. So it just, uh, you know, no one wants to see you hit, you know, like a pitcher out in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, like. I, I, I don't know how those guys do it. I don't know how Major League Baseball players hit a baseball. I really don't. Um, yeah. It's like, to me, that's the hardest thing in sports. You know, like some people say, you know, quarterbacking is hard, is the hardest thing. I mean, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, there's, you know, but man, I, I, I think hitting a baseball, you know, I, I don't, I don't, like what else is harder than that? You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's I agree. Insane. I always, I think uh, I forget there's a quote, but I, I think, uh, you know, it's always like that, you know, baseball is the hardest sport to play. And I think it is because it's just anybody who tried to hit a baseball from, from a pitcher who can actually, who knows what they're doing, you know, who yeah. can change speeds, yeah. change the arm angle. Stupid. I mean, in high school, you're not playing against uh, savants or anything, yeah. but you got guys who know what they're doing and they're being coached at, at a, at a, at a higher level than you've probably seen. And, you know, just, it makes it, it made me feel kind of stupid, you know, just that I, it's like, man, am I supposed to be able to hit that? Right, and it's right. just, wow. You know, and some guys could do it. And I'd be like, wow, you know, I'd be impressed. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's super impressive. Um, Oh man, I'll go play some hoops now. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Jake. Let's go out. Yeah, we'll be in the middle. Like that's like Kansas or something. <laughs> no, but you know what's good though is that uh, you know you're unique in the sense that you want to do the dirty work, right? Most guys they don't, right? They want to be the N one hero, right? They want to be the sports center guy. You're and... talking about NBA two K now, right? <laughs> you know. Um, um, so yeah, you know, like you, you know, pickup wise, you always got a spot, right? Like people always be down to play with you, right? Because uh, they know that you're not gonna be taking their, you know, their shots. You're gonna be doing the dirty work and stuff. Well, well, how's your your uh, screening skills? Back screening skills good. man they hurt with some players yeah. some player you know it's it's when you play when you play on the asphalt you know uh, <laughs> people want to get physical because they can yeah. sometimes people want to get physical because they know who you are yeah. and you play with them so it is fun just as long as you uh push back but i'll admit uh sometimes i can't handle it if the guy's taller than me yeah. bigger guys are okay if they're if they're my height they're lower just because you know you got a chance to plant and everything but if they're taller than you i always feel like you know they're driving down and i always i don't I, I think 
you know, some experts could probably tell you why, or if you Google it, I'm sure why, right. but they, just them having that leverage really kind of moves me. Sure. But, um, and of course, you know, it being street rules, you really don't want to call ticky tacky fouls yeah. or anything like no, that. You can't, like, you can't yeah. be like, move on screen. Move, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but it's fun. You know, I, you want that kind of physicality too, because it allows you to, you know, vent a little yeah, bit, sure. and give you that outlet. So you want to give, give and take a little it's bit. It's fun. It's fun. So, okay. <laughs> so how is your reaction? Because I know, um, you know, I know dudes would come at me a little differently, a little harder because I was Asian, right? And I'm sure that, you know you had the same experience. Personally, I liked it, and it you know it gave me fire, and then I I want to put it in their face. Uh, how did you how did you do with that? Yeah, I you know uh, I think if you're Asian, you understand you get a little more interesting shit talk sometimes, or a little bit more ribbing uh, by the guys on the court. Um, you know, honestly, I always took it with uh, with a laugh and a smile, and I would I would join them in on making fun of myself. Because to be quite honest, I, you know, they tell me you know something like, "Hey, you ain't that good." It's just like I know, bro. Like, <laughs> that's why I'm not in the NBA. I'm here with you. You know, just something like that, yeah. and just uh, just making sure that you sort of know that it, you know, street ball. Uh, you know, you you have to talk a little bit. Like that's part of the game. And I was never good at that, but I I loved accepting it because it, it is part of the game. It's, yeah. it's what they want to do. It's how they communicate. It's how everyone communicates. I don't want to say they as as some segment. It's just how the players communicate. Yeah. Uh, no matter your background or where you're from. And I I just I always went along. I let my play do the talking, even if it was bad. Like I said, I always tried to contribute in areas where I knew you know, it was, it was, you know, like if you get that outlet pass out and the dude makes it, or if you get that rebound and get it back to your teammate, they, they recognize that game and for they sure. appreciate it. Yeah. So. yeah, No, for sure. For sure. It's, uh, you know, all, I mean the old adage, you know, game recognizes game. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. Like if you, you know, you do your thing, you take care of business, um, and you know, you contribute to the W it's, you know, it's all good. So, uh, yeah, no, that's good stuff, man. It's it brings back bring back a lot of memories. Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right, so your favorite players, Akeem the Dream, Tony Kukoc. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I get Akeem. I love Akeem. Yeah. Um. So yeah, go on to the both of those. Yeah. So um, you know, I was a huge Akeem fan. I think Akeem is special just because uh, it's funny people forget that he was the one dude you know, drafted ahead of Jordan. And he's the one dude where I don't think anyone really cares, right? Because uh, even though I will, you know, he only, he won his chip, you know, when Jordan uh, was playing for the White Sox. Well, not their triple, their double A. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think everyone respects uh, that team and that player. I mean, he was... I loved him. Uh, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, watching him, it was just, uh, you were watching magic, you know, just some of the things. And this is a time when, it was, uh, you know, you had Shaq just entering the league, and he was dominating, and I, I always loved Shaq, too. And, um, uh, but you had a guy, you even had Arvidas Sabonis, right? Like, kind of changing the landscape of when a center meant who could, you know, hit a three. And it's, you know, it's kind of weird watching his son play, too. <laughs> you know, it's kind of goofy, but... Um, yeah, Akeem, I think it's really everyone understands why you could be a, a fan of his. And that, of course, you know, I, I know we didn't catch it the last time, but I always rooted for the Rockets because of him. And, and I really, even though they didn't win, I really loved it when it was Akeem and Clyde Drexler and Charles Barkley. That team was just fun to watch, even though, um, you know, and Charles will always, uh, Chuck will always admit that he was, he was ring chasing at that point too <laughs> in his career. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, but but of course, the Bulls, you know, they were a huge uh, cultural uh, thing back then. Like sure. you couldn't 
you know, everyone knew who the Bulls were because of MJ, and it was hard not to root for them, I think. Sometimes I felt it was easy to hate on them, too, but I always root for them. I, I really enjoyed the team. I, I love the role players of those teams. You know, I, I was always a huge, like, a Steve Kerr fan or a Paxton fan. You know, guys who were just the glue. I even had a special part, uh, heart for Luke Longley. I always thought he was just, like, a goofy center. I just, um... But Tony Kukoc fell into that, and... It was interesting because I was young enough at the time to not really know too much about the drama. You know, even though I followed the Dream Team, I hadn't known who Tony Kukoc was yet for the Croatian team. And, you know, when the Bulls got him, I really just loved the type of play that he brought, even though he was always kind of a supportive player. Um, he really shined a, a lot the year Michael Jordan retired. You know, it was basically just him and Pippen kind of willing the Bulls into the playoffs a lot. And... The, the, the things that he could do when he was on were incredible. He kind of, I mean, bringing up Kevin Durant, you know, I'm not going to put Kukoc there, of course, because Durant will go down as, you know, one of the top players of the game, of course. But just, again, the, the frame, the length, being at a wing position, being able to hit at all three phases of the game with your shot and, and you know, hit the – he could drive to the basketball, and he had agility at that size. You know, I think he was 6'10 yeah. or 6'9". Yeah, yeah, he's about 6'10". And, uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, – and I loved him at the small forward and the, <laughs> the position. Um, it, he was just fun to watch. And I, I know it's it, he, he wasn't the most uh, robust player uh, post-Bulls, of course, and he never really amounted to anything. But I always enjoyed – uh, you know, kind of focusing on the guys surrounding on the teams, you know, like the, the Jed Bushlers or the guys you don't remember. And of course, uh, Dennis Rodman and stuff, because it was always easy to root for Michael Jordan. You know, the things he did, they were, they were already spoken. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, hey, I, I love Michael Jordan. It's like, oh, you too? Okay. <laughs> you know, so it, it was kind of cool to kind of root for these other side characters. So when your guy, your friends are just like, oh, yeah, Michael Jordan, this, Scotty Pippen, that. It's just like, hey, check out Tony Kukoc's game. You know, he's, he's going to do really good. And then if he does it, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, Tony Kukoc is great. So, <laughs> no you doubt. Know, you kind of carved a piece of, uh, you know, with, with your peers. So Yeah, for sure. He always reminded me. I always like, for some reason, I always think of uh, him and Lamar Odom very similarly. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, similar frame, both lefties, obviously. But yeah, yeah you know, the similar games. Um, you know, like awesome secondary players. Like, but, you know, the funny thing about both of them, actually, now that I think about it, like they both had the skill to be a franchise guy. You know, yeah. like, right? 6'11, like you said, handles, yes. can shoot. But they just, like, there was something missing, right? Yeah. So, like, they weren't superstars, but they were amazing, you know, secondary, third, you know, third guys, third options. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny how, how it kind of works out. But, you know, I, I'm with you on the kind of gravitating or latching onto the, the periphery players because, yeah. like, my favorite player of all time was Michael Cooper, right? And so, mm. you know, when mm -hmm. I grew up, little kid, I mean, that's, I mean, I was super blessed, right? you know, Showtime Lakers, right? Like, it doesn't yeah. get any better than that, right? It's just <laughs> right. like, whoa, what, well, you know, shit. All right. But, you know, like you said, everyone lo can love Magic. Everyone loves, you know, yeah, Kareem Magic, right? And then, you oh, know, yeah. Worthy, the right? All those guys. But for me, you know, Byron Scott, I was always Michael Cooper, man, because, um, is you know, obviously, well, one, you know, he got his socks were way up high. He had the super short <laughs> shorts, but he just looked goofy. But defense, like, I was always a defense guy. And, you know, like, for some reason, I always, like, took a lot of pride in defense. And then, you know, he was the defensive stopper. The defense is good, right? And, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, the alley-oop, the Koopa Loops and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm totally with you, man. It's, um, 
Yeah, I love those guys. Uh, Jed Butcher though, huh? Jed Butcher. You know he played. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, he, I, I like him because he played. I just he, remember those. He was an awesome volleyball player. Yesterday. Yeah, he was yeah. an awesome volleyball player. So yeah, uh, University of Arizona. Um, and, and you know, going back to that too, that era of centers was really unique because it's all you know when you think about it, you got you got Patrick Ewing right, Dikembe Mutombo, you got Shaq coming up, yeah. um, you know, like I said, Sabonis, you got um, what I, I you know David Robinson right? I mean, that was an insane uh, time for centers when you think about it. No, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. All right, so I have a question for you because earlier yeah. earlier in the pod, you said that. Uh... You know, was it the early '90s, right? Early '90s was kind of the golden age for hoops, right? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> only because I experienced it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah. you know, it's it's fun to talk about fun debate. So it's kind of like it's kind of like the way I view hip hop, right? Like I think wow. to me, the late '90s is the golden. That was the golden era, and like, man, like for me, obviously I was right in it, but even. When I try to kind of step back and try to think of it objectively, I, I really think that like that was like the fucking pinnacle. Like, you know, yeah. that was the golden age, right? <laughs> so so on that same tip with, with hoops, and like I've had this conversation with, with plenty of other people, like because uh, some people say the game sucks now, right? And because it's so three-point oriented, right? Um, and just the, I guess, the physicality, the lack of the center position, right? So the game has changed, right? So... Looking at it like that, do you still think that, you know, the early 90s is, is still, like, you like the game better then? And you do you think the players were better then than compared to the game now and the players now? Boy, it's a great question, and I want to answer it very earnestly. Because I think, you know, we can joke around that I watched the Golden Age of Basketball, or we did. Um, I think it was also a unique time, uh, you and me, that we were watching basketball because we were actually seeing the generational shift. You know, we were watching Magic and Larry, you know, move on. And then, you know, MJ and Scotty, Reggie Miller, you know, all these other guys kind of take over the league. So we're watching, you know, kind of this transition between stars. And it's a very unique moment because, and I, I mentioned the Dream Team before, but that's why that Dream Team was so... Uh, you know, big back then. It was combining these two uh, generations, you know, of, of basketball stars and putting them together. And I, I, you know, even though we have LeBron's dream team, which I think also did uh, fantastic and, and it, you know, brought me uh, to watch Olympic basketball again, I, I just don't think you'll ever see that again. That being said, and I'm glad you brought it up, you know, the game is a lot different. I think that that's pretty obvious to those who have seen it, it transition over the past two decades. Um, but I, I think that's a good change just because I think today's basketball is still just as entertaining, but just in a different way. I will admit when, when the Roy, excuse me, when the Warriors were making their run, it was a little bit like, uh, you know, just really, you know, that super team thing yeah. when it started happening, especially when the heat, um, you know, I didn't hate them. I, I actually, you know, I, I watched them. I, I, I won't lie. I enjoyed the Mavericks uh, taking on that team yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day, Dirk. you know, just to break it up a little bit. It was fun. Uh, and I thought, you know, I really liked Dirk. I thought he really, uh, you know, gritted his way to that chip and he deserved it for sure. Um, he, he carried, no, <laughs> he, he no, honestly, carried that team. No, no, honestly, like yeah. I, I love, like Dirk was amazing. He's one of yeah. the, you know, he's a great player, but because he single-handedly took that, that Mavericks team and, you know, took out the heels, right? Like to me, yep. that elevates him even higher, 
right? Oh yeah. Because like he was a beast that that mm-hmm. playoffs. Like you know, like literally, like they were just feeding the ball. He's dropping forty a game and just literally carried that team to the chip. And yeah, no, no, he was he was amazing. All right, my bad. Go ahead. Oh no, no, and you're absolutely right. And I think people also forget just how good that Heat team was. I mean, despite LeBron, I think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think sometimes people forget Wade in his peak was was something to watch. Like, he was an incredible two-way player at the time. I know people know that already, but I think people forget just how good he was when he was playing. Um, And then, you know, you have the the side guys like Chris Bosh, you know, the role players, uh, Haslam, who, you know, he's like still playing in the 80 right now, maybe. I I still think he's (laughs) He's on the mic. He's still on the roster. Yeah, but they... It was incredible. But, you know, to get back to what I was saying, yeah. I think where the sport is right now, it, it is fun. I mean, you know, everyone has the all-star game in the back of their mind. That was that was some horrific stuff. Yeah. But the game in general, I, I really do appreciate the speed. Okay. I appreciate the defense. I know the physicality is missing a little bit. I know sometimes, um, I don't know, different teams have different, uh, I don't know how to call it, like flow of the game. They, they treat it a bit differently. Sometimes when you'd watch like the old, the old rockets, you know, the <laughs> like just uh, do something in the first five seconds or, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The mid tens yeah. and the early tens type of basketball. It, you know, it, I think you could make a little bit of a case there, but I think the game has adjusted. I mean, it, it's a meta conversation. I think all of this to say is I don't want to be that old guy uh, with his fist at the sky. <laughs> I want to appreciate that I feel... I watched the best basketball, not only because I was there, mm. but because the best basketball was played. You know, I think you'll even watch interviews of players at the time say, you know, the stuff you do, to, you can do today, you can, or vice versa, you know. And, of course, the game was much more physical. Uh, the game was it's a bit more, uh, I don't know, hacky. <laughs> so, um, there, and, of course, yeah, I think one thing that the, um, the NBA could work on a little bit better is probably the – uh, the the acting jobs uh, that that players do, I always get a little bit triggered mm. when uh, people flop. Flopping, yeah. Really, yeah, the flopping is what uh, annoys me the most. I know everyone is trying to game the system and game the referees. Okay, but... so how, how? But how can you enforce that though? Yeah, I don't know. I think you have to do uh, you have to do uh, um, you have to do fines after the fact mm. once you can verify and have it scale up, have it stack. I mean, I think this. Uh, this also applies to other things, like you know, for instance, I forget was it um, was it Draymond uh, who who punched the guy who sucker punched the guy uh-huh. during practice, yeah, yeah. and you know uh, the <laughs> Golden State's like, yeah, we'll handle it. And it's just like, no, I think you know, that, that... <laughs> no, I think the league should handle right, that. Right. So I think in a lot of ways, Silver ha- has failed a bit. I, you know, the whole. China thing and the NBA thing is always kind of interesting to watch. Uh, I, I would say that I some people have failed me in my opinion uh, in, in how they've done that, and some people haven't. Um, Cash rules everything around me. Cream, right, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have, I do appreciate nuance even in sports. Yeah. So you know, I know it's 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 a big deal. Um, I like how the game today allows the players to be more vocal. I know we're kind of getting into kind of the off the court yeah, yeah, no, stuff. No, no. Let's but, do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I know it's kind of, you know, it's not perfect. Yeah. I, I think uh, the Kyrie Irving situation showed that a little bit, um, you know, but the, I think it's an overall good that a sports association can, can allow such a large platform when you don't see that in other sports. So I know, 
the NBA is still failing a lot in a lot of areas, but just the fact that they have that platform for the players, especially in the sport that that is dominated essentially by a large swath of African American players, yeah. and they feel that they can, you know, if they want to say something that that supports uh, what's going on in America, you know, if they if they want to show their support, they're not going to get penalized for yeah. it. Whereas in other sports, they may get shamed, and uh, you know, it, whether it's right or not, you know, I'll, I'll leave that for. I think people already know my opinions on, on some of this stuff, but you know, I'll just say I think the game has grown in a in a much better way, in a healthier way. But they still got a lot of ways to go. You know, even even uh, screens and picks and stuff. Some of it is getting kind of egregious. You know, I'll say, of course, the flopping I mentioned, yeah. but. I got to tell you, it's a privilege to watch some of the players we get to watch today. I mean, watching LeBron James his entire career no has been incredible. Yeah, I feel blessed that I was able to watch, you know, guys like Magic to Michael Jordan to LeBron. You know, um, even, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Players. Sorry, yeah. hold on. Let me cut you off. So right there, who's your GOAT? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the hardest question yeah, to answer. For me... I think when I always tell people and I tell them, listen, I always give them that caveat, right? I think Chuck, uh, you know, Barkley, I think he always says it right. He always like, you can't compare errors. You can only put top players of that. I think that's kind of a sellout in a way because yeah. people are asking you like, hey, who's not the best of the era? Who do you think is the best of all time? In my opinion, it's like if you – it's that prototypical answer like at the end of the game, you're, you're down by a possession. Who do you want running, running the team? Who, who do you want on the court getting a chance? And I think unquestionably you want Jordan. I know it seems biased because I probably watched him yeah. play and I saw him in those situations, but I still think even as how great LeBron is, I'm not even go through my, you know, of course a lot of people say, oh, he had the uh, longevity. He had the, uh, you know, the breadth of, uh, of, you know, the robust stat production, you know, the rebounds, the assists. But I, I think at the end of the day, you can frame that question as like, who do you want to win the game? And I, I still think, uh, especially, you know, since um, the last dance became such a phenomenon during COVID, I think a little, pe a lot of people understand, you know, whether it's healthy or not. I thought it was kind of unhealthy, but I, it made me understand the type of competitive spirit Jordan had. I think when you combine that with his skill set, I mean, I just don't think you want anyone else with that ball, you know, in that last possession. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, it's uh, I I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Because uh, you can make compelling arguments for um, a handful of players. Sure. Um, you know, if you told me right now that you would pick LeBron for the same reasons, I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's cool. Exactly. You know, I'm not gonna argue yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make that case too, because LeBron, and I think a lot of people hate on LeBron because you know sometimes LeBron has done some clown stuff, yeah. and he's, you know, he he attracts a lot of haters too, just because of the type for of sure. skill set he has. It, they're gonna come no matter what. But I think people, when LeBron is out of the game, you know, in in a decade or two. I think people are really gonna, uh, you know, really miss him. Uh, I've just I've never seen a guy, you know, just so casually put up, you know, like a 30-10-10 when he does. You know, I just, uh, I mean, Jokic, he's a different type of player, but some of the stats he does, it's the same with LeBron. Like you're just, and he does it in such a calm manner. He does it. He's always a constant threat, and I just, I don't think. I think <laughs> I think if LeBron was in the Jordan era, I think it would be one A, one B, and it, some years you wouldn't know, you know. So I, I think if if you would have that fantasy, I I think both their skill sets could play in any era. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, you could, I mean, we can take this in a million different directions. Yeah. I think one is, and you know, this is not to denigrate Jordan in any way, right? Because I, I grew up in that era, and to me, he was 
uh, fucking amazing, right? And yeah. but I, I think the one thing that a lot of people kind of latch onto was that yeah, he won six championships, right? And he hit some really huge shots to win them, right? Um, and yeah, okay, he did what he did, right? But I mean, there's some variance in that, right? And like you know, if he doesn't hit two of those shots, right? He only hits wins four, right? And so because people get so because he was undefeated in the finals, right? Like they, you know, that kind of elevates him to some degree, right? Whereas, you know, and that kind of washes aside everything else, you know, those times when he didn't make the playoffs or you know he got ousted, you know, before the finals, um, and you know, so you know that's one part of it, but you know. I mean, physically, he was a freak, jump shot, like, awesome score, whatever. Some of his stat lines are just stupid, right? A lot of times when I think of LeBron, though, is like, well, two things. What? I mean, he's basically like Magic Johnson, but in Carl Malone's body. <laughs> but yeah. but but mm-hmm. he has the same vertical as Jordan. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's just like boggles my mind. It's like insane. It's crazy. And then, you know, he took fucking Eric Snow to the finals. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's a mic drop right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like some of those teams were, were pretty shitty. Like a lot of his uh, Cavaliers teams. But yeah, he dragged them uh, yeah. as much as he could. I mean, um, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, just the physical uh, nature of LeBron's game is, you know, not only is it conducive to bring uh, more, more of his teammates into it, it's just the fact that he could rebound too. Yeah. Uh, and pass, really yeah, rebound, pass, block, everything. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, of course, Jordan, he'd do, you know, is 35-5, yeah. you know, but yeah, on a, on a, on a longevity basis, uh, LeBron will always take the argument. And, you know, I remember Jordan's shot uh, against the Utah Jazz just as much as I remember LeBron's huge block, yeah. you know, yeah. and he came running down. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just insane. It's like the Marshawn Lynch touchdown. For sure. You know, these, these iconic sports moments you remember just because how great the player is in that moment. So, For sure. Um, kind of, you know, because you're a Rockets fan and Barkley, and it's kind of, you know, on on this tip of, like, you know, obviously LeBron and Michael Jordan won, and, you know, because of that, that elevates them to a certain tier, right? Whereas Barkley, uh, he was freaking amazing, but yeah. he gets, you know, denigrated because he never won the chip, right? Um, yeah. So, okay, yeah, kind of talk on that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And talk about NBA 2K. I mean, Barkley was a walking NBA 2K, you know, stat line. I mean, the, the things he could do were insane. Again, just the physical nature of Barkley's game was incredible. I mean, people will joke around that, you know, his three-point wasn't quite there. But, you know, <laughs> I, he could, you know, making 26% of it is still funny watching him do it. But <laughs> his main part of the game, you know, when he was in the paint, he took control. You know, he had... He had, uh, <laughs> you know, in a sense, he had kind of Dennis Rodman's, uh, you know, I, of course, I, it's easy to use similar uh, play styles in that. But, you know, he owned the rebound in that area. He, And a lot of players will tell you his jump and his athleticism for being a huge yeah. dude at 6'9". I mean, he was a wide guy. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, uh, just uh, I, don't, I don't know how you could do that with that body. So you got to respect it. And I think a big part about um, – Barkley too, and I hope this is another reason why people enjoy him and are fans of him. Is just because his personality is really uh, is a great one. It's a good one for the game. He's always been um, very uh, progressive in his thoughts and ideas. Uh, he's probably said some <laughs> yeah, yeah. some over the line stuff like Charles and stuff like that, but it's all for a good joke. I love his humility yeah. as a player, not just at the time. You know, I, I still remember as a kid. 
uh, when, you know, essentially his shtick was, it's like, I'm not a role model. It's like, you know, if you want to, if you want to embolize someone, embolize your parents. I'm just a sports player. I'm here to play ball. And I kind of like that. It was refreshing. You know, he, he didn't want to be anyone's role model. He just, he just wanted to play ball and win. And, and you take that and you, you take some of the things he's publicly said about Michael Jordan, you know, or, you know, he, he said he, he, he's the best. Barkley played Jordan the best he could, you know, back when uh, it was Dan Marley, I think, with the Suns. And, and it's like he still couldn't even touch Jordan. He admitted that. And, you know, you t- take a look at him as a post player. You know, they everyone rags on him all the time for not having a ring, but he takes it in stride. Yeah. He, he makes fun of himself. And I think he will go down. Him and uh, probably uh, poor uh, Jim Kelly, you know, uh, for the Bills. Like guys who, who were good enough to get – get that uh super bowl or get that chip you know but just couldn't make it happen it, it, it is unfortunate for him but i i i hope it doesn't take away from his his legendary status because when you talk about guys like akeem and and michael jordan and pippen and all those greats i barkley absolutely belongs in that conversation for sure absolutely. yeah no for sure all right so let me ask you this question because i've had a quite a few conversations uh, about this so um if you're a fan of a team because okay, so one of my buddies, you know, we're, we're Raider fans, right? So it's it, it's been painful, right? It's yeah, been painful. It's an experience, I bet. Yeah, a lot of highs, you know, a lot a lot of lows, and it's been a lot more lows recently. But you know, he's just like, yo, I just want a chip. I don't care. I get a chip if the team doesn't win a game for the rest of his life. He doesn't care, right? I I get it. I understand it, right? But for me, I'm like. Nah, man, I would rather have a competitive team that's in contention every year, right? Because you have more dart throws. Because, I mean, there's so much variance, right? Like, anything can happen. and You just want to get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen. You can get hot. So you just want as many dart throws as you can to get there. And then you just want that, like, kind of... For me, I just want that long run of success, right? Just boom. And, okay, so... But he's like, yo, but what if it's like the bills and they make four straight and they they never win or like barkley he never wins and like i thought about it i was like you know yeah it would suck but actually i would i would prefer that because you're there right they had four chances right and and you know like you're saying like those guys kelly and the bark you know those guys they get denigrated but i think people overlook how impressive that is like to even get to that point um is pretty pretty crazy so from that what what would you prefer? You want the chip at no at whatever cost, or do you want kind of like that sustained kind of excellence? Yeah, I think if you asked me when I was younger, I I want the chip. I think, uh, and even though I haven't, I haven't. None of my primary teams have gotten a championship yet, unfortunately. I, I'm at where, as I've gotten older, I, I appreciate kind of the logical take, which is which is yours, of course, and I would prefer that teams kind of build themselves into something that could get there because, you know, as a kid, I never understood what small sample size was (laughs) or, you know, some of this advanced stuff. But I I understand that now as an adult and I understand like just getting into the window and making that window as large as possible is, is sort of the ticket to success. Obviously it doesn't always work out, you know, or you have, you know, something like the Patriots or or something like um, at the, you know, and so, it's tough because you have to understand too if if you're building a team over the course of let's say baseball the Padres they've had you know they're a prime example they've had maybe three major rebuilds in the last 15 years maybe 20 years 
and each one has taken about five to seven years to kind of matriculate and kind of grow and, and they've all been kind of abs they've been abject failures in a way just because you know especially during the the o's and the tens um after their their 98 um uh, spur and you know i think they made the playoffs a couple times during that time but it's it, it never came to fruition until you got the right management and now an example of what you're saying with the Padres now, I, I think the last two or three years I could have seen them, you know, get to the world series. Um, I thought they maybe that actually had a chance during the COVID shortened season to kind of uh, make some oomph and they haven't quite done it yet. And their window, it's still open obviously this season and, and probably the next yeah. and maybe the one after that, <laughs> but all, all, you know, it, it hurts that of course the Dodgers are equally as impressive on the roster and they of course have always had the payroll to kind of uh, make mistakes and still be okay with it. Padres, not so much. It, you know, you, you do a couple of Hosmers, it kind of restricts what you want to do. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's always an interesting brain exercise. It, if it's like the deal with the devil. Like he comes to you, he's yeah. like, you can win a chip now, but you know, they're going to be 300 team for the next, you know, 30 years. It's like, do I really want to, I think the, I think the younger me would take the chip yeah. and just, you know, but you're destroying your franchise for the, and this is all hypothetical, right. but I think now that I, you know, like I said, it's just, you want as large a window with as much talent as you can do. And you got to smartly build it. You got to, I know it's a joke because there's always the process in, uh, in 76ers land and obviously it didn't happen until Murray came right like they they had nothing on that roster Murray came and then suddenly they're, they're actually a pretty good team now and uh you know they're, they're hit their bumps and bruises uh you know Embiid hasn't obviously won a chip and he's still looking for the MVP and I know there's a lot of reasons why people don't uh you know appreciate his skill set or appreciate what he does but you know that team is dangerous and they have a window they have a shot after they failed from doing this process thing, you know, for, for five years. So that, that kind of tells you that everything has to go right. But when it does and you have that window, that that's where, that, that's kind of where you, you're, you want to put your money. So yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So going on an hour, we'll, we'll get off soon. I just wanted to ask you one last thing, uh, for yeah. out. Um, well, it just flew by. I'm really loving yeah, it. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's, you know, I love it. I love it. It's a time flies when you're having fun. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's um, yeah, much appreciated. We need next time we need to uh, pod over Korean barbecue. Um, yes. right? And do yes. that. It would just be us eating. I don't yeah. think we do much. Talking. Like, hey, how's that? Yeah. How's that sun gum uh, yeah, <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, no, all right. So, for fantasy, um, because it sounds like, you know, you watch some games. You know, you understand like analytics. Um, so you kind of have, I think, a good pulse on. Uh, a lot of the different perspectives out there. So uh, how do you approach kind of analyzing and playing fantasy? Well, hoops, let's, let's stick to hoops. Yeah, ho hoops is really interesting just because the the analytics and the sabermetrics and all the, all the you know, advanced uh, stat stuff, you know, I was there when baseball it took took off steam, you know, uh, the, the um, you know, the Michael Lewis book, uh, I have, I have um, you know, on Billy Bean, yeah. you know, Moneyball. Moneyball yeah. I, I loved reading it. I actually one of the few people who enjoyed the movie, uh, despite what it was, <laughs> you know, the Brad Pitt one. But it was really an interesting time. And then, you know, when I started covering football, I started noticing the NBA starting to get a little more scientific, a little bit more analytical. And, and you saw teams, you know, create uh, stat-based uh you know, groups to kind of uh, get to the advanced metrics of basketball. And I think 
it's different with basketball because of the way the game is played. You can, I think some metrics have value, especially the ones where they do game track and it's based on, you know, movement, speed, uh, positioning and, and where the ball goes. I think some stats, uh, you know, I won't go off the top of my head, but some of them are just, you know, incredibly inefficient. Like I think there's one, you know, the defender shot percentage thing yeah. where it measures, you know, a, a defensive play on a person, other person's shot percentage. I, I'm not exactly sure if the metrics there are strong enough to kind okay. of support something like that, but it it's a beautiful thing with the modernization of sports in general. It's not just driven by fantasy, but in a lot of ways it's driven by gambling as well. Sure. And I know, you know, gambling Cash is a rules. whole different Cash yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. But in a lot of ways, fantasy and gambling are, are trying to reach the same goal. Yeah. You know, they're trying to find the, the edge to, to get more information because information is power. And, the, and as the NBA adapts to that, it's incredible to see the way it drives the game and shapes the game. Because now you have not just, you know, a team upstairs, you know, whispering in the owner's ear or the GM's ear like, hey, do this, do that. You now have, you know, these teams, you know, telling the players what they can do and what they're doing, what they can adapt to, some of the trends that they're seeing. And players themselves can try to adjust their games. In in basketball, too, you'll see the wilder swings as well because, you know, with baseball, you have the 162-game season, which gets a lot of the noise. You have the NFL season, which is all noise, you know, too much of a For small sure. sample size. But basketball is like kind of that Goldilocks area where you can still have uh, unique characteristics that maybe aren't sometimes totally stat-driven, but there are some aspects of the game that can be incredibly, uh, you know, fruitful when, when you're looking at stat analyzation. So it's, it's kind of like those – it's a strange uh, juxtaposition type of – place that basketball is in but i'm i'm really curious um as we go because when when you know i i don't mean to prop up the reddit uh, or anything like that or some of the social media platforms but you know some of the stats being discussed and some of the ways people you know root for their guy and show how players are i think one guy that i mentioned Jokic. you know i don't think uh many people knew how great he was but there was this guy posting on social media on reddit you know, like, this guy's going to be the next star based on these advanced metrics. And lo and behold, a year later, you know, he, he's tearing up, you know, the NBA and bringing this new style of – well, not new style, but just this amazing style yeah. of play for the center position. So oh, That's good stuff. Is there is there a particular stat that you like to kind of anchor on? Um, I know it's, it's really uh, – it's really basic. It's not going to be any trending or anything, but I'm always a big fan of the true shot percentage, okay. the overall shot percentage, okay. just, you know, just wherever they bring levels of the game. I really, um, I <laughs> free throw percentage is always a big one for me because it's it's uh, not just attempts but free throw percentage because it's free points. It's always been free points since I was a young kid, and uh, you know if if a player isn't getting to the line or isn't shooting well at the line, it, it's a huge part of the game that people are. It's underrated essentially. Here, you know? Here's my thing. All right. Yeah. I we've we've had some pods with you know in the past talking about like how to improve the game, right? And I yeah. feel like. Especially, oh, and so, uh, what was it? The the e- Elam ending, right? There's a reason why they did the Elam ending with the All Star game and you know, the points. And so, one of the big reasons is because at the end of the game, it's just fouls and just free throw contests, right? And so, I'm like, just get rid of just get rid of free throws because I want the game to flow as much as possible, <laughs> right? So, okay, so give me your thoughts on this idea. Get rid of free throws, and we incorporate the hockey advantage. So the guy that fouls has to go to the penalty box for a possession. So that off the offense gets an advantage five <laughs> on four. No, that sounds yeah. I'm actually I would be okay with that just because it sounds goofy and entertaining. <laughs> I mean I would say listen, 
just in a serious note, yeah. I, I definitely empathize and I agree that, you know, when you when you get towards the end of the game, sometimes it takes the wind out of the sails, yeah. right? When you have the possession changes, basically forced fouls, timeouts, yeah. it really clogs the flow of the game. But I think some sports, you know, it, it, they all suffer from this in a way, too. With football, you have the commercials, timeouts, replays. Replays are good. I, I definitely support replays. Okay. You want to get the yeah, call yeah. right. But it's still... Yeah takes you out of the game baseball it, it's such a you know it's a different sport right. it's just you're out of the game until you're in it so but with basketball i i wouldn't mind seeing that i i'm actually nice. yeah. let's go let's go <laughs> that would be fun. revolution let's go can you, can you imagine the five on fours like, i would love I, it it might be too dominating right because you're always gonna have like a like a guy open um because i feel in hockey right you're you're, you're kind of on a two-dimensional field you you can you have to hit the puck and it can only go like maybe one to five feet with the basketball, you know, if you're open, you're, you're, you can just lob it up in the air. I'm not sure if that's scientific or not, but it feels, no, it would be a huge advantage, like okay. five, four, five, three. No, no, true. It is a huge advantage, right? But then that would make the, I guess, the proliferation of fouling, it'll decrease it because the risk reward ratio is just so heavily skewed against you, yeah. right? That, you know, you're not going to want to foul, which I think the, the in- unintended qu- consequence of it is you would actually make the game more free-flowing right because yeah and then so and then you know you could adjust it to like guys flopping too right right like if you incorporate that then guys right there's like <laughs> the yeah, yeah the, the risk mm-hmm. of getting called for a flop is so massive because the advantage is so massive right and so then the game would just be more free-flowing and it just goes yeah. so I don't know. I, I, I'm going. Let's no, do it. We should, we should definitely start writing an email to Addison. <laughs> well, group thinking. Yeah, yeah I should. I should. <laughs> Yo, Jay. All right, man. It's time for me to get dinner. I really yes. appreciate you taking the time, chilling, talking oh, with you. me, man. This was, this was awesome. It was so fun. Uh, it's good to finally, like, you know, put a face to the words and, you know, to, you know, to just to sit down and, and chill with my, my Korean homie. Next time you're in LA, we need to go get some Korean barbecue and, sure. and just chill out, man. Yeah, and you know, I, I want people to know this too. You know, everything I've done at Rasball, it's just it's it's. I just want people to know it's it's been a privilege to work under you on, on basketball, and it, it's really been an incredible time for me. And you know, even though my role has been diminished from my regular life, I, I love writing, and I appreciate the outlet you give to me to make that happen. Of course, anytime. So. Well, you know, like the way I look <laughs> at it, like you are my Miyagi because you gave me my start, right? <laughs> So, like, you will always be my Miyagi, so... Yeah. Now you're my senpai, so... <laughs> it's all good. All right, man. Take it easy, man. Talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Cool, man. Appreciate later. it.